0: This is the Candidly An Idea podcast brought to you by Monday Morning and you are listening to Tita Eight with Rashi Agarwal. How are transformations brought about? Transformations are always backed up by small changes, brought about by people like you and me. Along these lines, Rashi Agarwal, completing MSA in physics from United York in 2019, found hers in assisting humankind. As is reflected in the above lines by her, she raised rupees 50,000 for COVID-19 relief, providing education to 300 villages and tribal children with the help of 15 community volunteers. You completed MSc visits from Anakadar Alkarna and later went ahead with the social work. What exactly was yeah. the driving force behind this total change of career life? Uh, see, first of all, I would like to clarify that uh, I don't see it as a total change in the career line. It is just a slight deviation. Uh, I still am interested in uh, pursuing the career after the fellowship. The fellowship program that I am pursuing currently in social development sector. Because uh, the driving force was obviously that, you know, uh, somewhere it felt to that uh, uh, we are being a bit selfish and uh, we need to give back something to the society, like all the privileges that we have. We need to do something, you know, to share what we learn with others as well who do not have access to all that information. And how did your family and friends react to the failure yeah so it wasn't, uh, it wasn't easy for them to accept it in the very beginning. And uh, even later, uh, they were not... Uh, willing to accept it and it was sort of a shock for them because they expected me to go for a phd immediately after but when i said that i want to take a two-year break and uh, go for this fellowship so they were obviously not happy with it initially but then later on when they saw the work and that gave them some satisfaction and that helped me you know to look forward as positively So ma'am, yeah, that was really perseverant of you to stick to your goals. Can you now tell us something regarding your days at NIT Rao Yeah, so in NIT the best experiences were being a part of the astronomy club that is there. So I was initially in the first year of MSc, I was actively involved in the club and we used to have night sessions and, uh, uh, you know, popular science meetings from the club itself where we used to invite general public from NIT for any celestial events for example a super moon or an eclipse and we would uh, tell them something about astronomy and uh, how to use a telescope and all that so that was very fascinating I enjoyed that part very much and apart from that we also tried to make a small science club there so that was the most memorable part of my life at NITR. and that was really a great memory of yours so, how did R help you to develop as a person you are as of now? Mm-hmm. NITR actually helped making me realize what my actual interests are, what my goals are. Because being very honest, before coming to NITR, I was pursuing science as a safe career option. I was generally interested in sciences, but uh, the path which I took to, stay, to make a career in sciences was that of doing a bachelor's degree, then a master's degree, then a PhD. But uh, NIPR really encouraged me, you know, to pave my own path. To it, it really encouraged me to follow my dreams and just do what really makes me happy. Uh, can you tell, about, tell us about your journey in this field so far, especially how you managed to raise a large sum for such a noble work and uh, helping over uh, so many rural students in their education? Yeah, so I like immediately after college, I joined the two-year fellowship program. In that fellowship program, initially I was working with school kids, the government schools in UP, in uh, Bareilly district of UP. And Beiraij is one of the most uh, backward districts of Uttar Pradesh, which has a really low literacy rate and um, poor population. And most of the students there, they go to government schools. So. I worked with government schools there for around one year and then when Covid happened and lockdown happened, the government schools closed. So, because I had worked with those children for over a year, I knew that the online education was completely inaccessible for them. So, we were troubled, you know, we were disturbed. Like, how will they, those children now continue with their studies? And those kids, they were the first generational learners of their families. So, they had no support in their families to help them continue their education so all that motivated us for me and a friend of mine who was working in the same fellowship program we both decided that okay we need to do something we need to find alternatives because uh where ih and up they are not the places where you can rely completely on online education during the COVID, and you cannot also overlook you know you cannot just uh, Overlook the fact that so many children so many children they won't be able to study for you don't know how long and in punchlight the idea was that instead uh, of making village kids dependent on some external help, be it in the form of network be it in the form of school teachers we thought of creating an ecosystem within the villages itself that will help the students to continue their study so we started looking for educated youth in the villages. Each village has a couple of youngsters who are educated enough at least till graduation or till 12 who can help small children, you know, up till classes or maybe even eight, who can help those children to study. So, uh, we didn't provide any incentives to the volunteers, but uh, we provided incentives to children to come and study. And the purpose of raising money was that those students were from such poor backgrounds that they they couldn't even afford a simple uh, notebook and a pen. So, if we wanted them to come and study at our center, we had to provide them some basic essential stationery. So, for that, we started this crowdfunding initiative for Mila. And uh, we kept a very small amount as our aim initially, just 30,000. But then people really found our idea interesting and they believed in our idea and they donated very generously, which helped us raise way more than. What we actually aim for, uh, organize a campaign or milap, and even after milap, we organized some small donation campaigns on our social media handles only, like Facebook, WhatsApp, and all that. The cumulative amount of fifty thousand was raised overall throughout the initiative. And uh, other NGOs like Goons also helped us. Goons also gave us a large amount of donation for all the students who are enrolled at our SunTrade Centre. That is actually a rare feat you have achieved within such a short span. So considering your achievements ma'am, uh, are there any difficulties or stumbles that uh, you faced during your venture? Just to share, the one of the difficulties was that uh, uh, in spite of, you know, the district administration, the officials at district level who are involved in education sector, in spite of them being informed about this initiative beforehand when this initiative really started hitting media and uh, when people really started getting to know about it there were some hindrances like people started questioning them how can you do it uh, how can you call children to gather at one place when are it, not opening so uh, they took poke fingers here and there because um, it uh, the initiative itself no, it was raising questions on the entire system of online education and the government and the administration, they obviously didn't want that their system of online education should be questioned. So that is why we got no major support from either the government or the administration. We had to do it on our own. And another problem is, is in villages, it is really difficult to convince people to adopt this culture of. Using sanitizers, masks, and maintaining social distancing. So, uh. Definitely a big hurdle in this time of crisis. So, lastly, is there any message you would like to contribute to listeners? Most of the students know these days what they do is they try to fit themselves in one of the frames which society has made for them. We are a population of, you know, billions, but, uh, we have very few frames which uh, we try to fit ourselves into it and if we don't uh, find uh, it uh, suitable for us, we uh, like, think that the problem is in us. Uh, we are the problem, we are not able to fit in one of the those sort of frames which we are supposed to. I think that mentality we need to change a bit. We, we shouldn't force ourselves too hard to fit in those predefined frames we should be able to redefine success on our own terms yeah i hope that motivates people to come out of their comfort zone and contribute to the society that was definitely an inspiring conversation with rashi agarwal follow the candidly an idea podcast and stay tuned for more such interviews